1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next
0: adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: What is going on, boys and girls? Welcome once again to the Bass and Beers podcast on the Paddling Fit Network. It took me a good 30 seconds to open my beer and kind of like a lame crack open. I'm going to have to ask um, Brian Chiller to edit that out. That was kind of embarrassing. You're not gonna see it don't worry i'll edit it out it'll it'll seem like i opened the beer like a pro but really it was just like really pathetic way to open a beer but anyways great show for you today i got uh cayman rasmussen oh my god i knew i was gonna screw it up i even asked him cayman i know you're in the back room so i apologize cayman rasmussen that's it so i'll probably edit that out to it if not you can if i don't edit it out you can laugh at it but yes Kemen is here, one of the most underrated, in my opinion, kayak anglers uh, out there. I don't think he gets the respect and the recognition he deserves, mainly because he lives in Utah. Nothing against Utah, but it's not, you know, the popular, like, Texas, you know, where everybody uh, it's famous for bass fishing or Alabama, Guntersville, you know, uh, Florida, and all those, you know, big, big bass factory states. Uh, but nevertheless, the guy is an amazing angler. Um I give a lot of respect for people and anglers in general, guys, girls that fish out of, you know, the mountain states, Colorado, Utah. And when they go to a grass lake down in the South or, or, or your, you know, when you talk about, you know, Chickamauga, uh, God, uh, so many lakes that are really completely geographically different from the way they live and they're able to find success I think that's huge. Um, and I like to take time to highlight, you know, their accomplishments and get them, get all of you out there to get to know this great anglers. Cause they really are. I give them my props. You know, they have to probably drive longer than anybody else with gas prices, going up mountain, you know, the Utah in Colorado and going somewhere like, you know, down South for a tournament, you know, that's, that's a big commitment. So let, let's, let's give a lot of credit to those guys and girls that do that. And there's, a bunch of them, Catherine Fields, um, got just to mention one, um, and I'm, I mean, there's so many of them, if I keep going on, I'm sure I'm going to miss out on that, so, um, anyways, uh, before we start recording, um, I did start, I did a little bit something here, I started a YouTube fishing channel in Spanish, Um, most of you know, I'm from Puerto Rico, my first, um, my first language is Spanish as you can tell by me uh, fumbling every word here. And I wanted to do a YouTube channel because I think first of all, the kayak fishing and fishing general YouTube scene is kind of saturated, but I don't see a lot of people, a lot of, or I should say a lot of Spanish speaking channels teaching people how to bass fish and kind of kayak fish. So I figured I'd give it a try and see what comes out of it. Um, If you're interested in watching the YouTube, it is, it will have closed caption, so it'll have subtitles. So if you can't understand what I'm saying, you can still read the the subtitles if you click the closed caption um, settings on your YouTube channel. So go check it out if you want. It's called Remos y Aletas, translated paddle and fin. I know it's it's the same thing as paddle and fin. I I for those of you who don't know, I did have a Spanish speaking podcast here in paddle and fin. And when, we, when I talk to Brian, says like, let's just call it Paddle Finnish Spanish, which is y So go check it out. It's on Instagram. It's on YouTube. I only have one video right now. By the lo- time you listen to this podcast, maybe I'll have a couple of more. But anyways, that's it. Not going to take too much time away from my guests. We're going to go to quick commercials. Before we do that, uh, shout out to my sponsor, Douglas Rots. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Check out the full lineup. Quick commercial from Wayports, and then we'll be coming right in. How are you doing, Cayman? Sorry for botching your last name again.
1: No, you're good. You're good. Everybody does it, so I'm kind of used to it. <laughs> but. It's
2: it's kind of like a common trend here I have on my podcast, so I botch everybody's name. But
1: no, it's okay. all good.
2: Thank you for blessing the podcast, and man, and coming up to my show. Congratulations on your big wins, Cayman. Um, you've done amazing. Um, and I think, like yeah. I mentioned in the intro, uh, I don't think you get the respect that you honestly deserve, Um because, you know, like I said, geographically maybe it's not that popular bass fishing in Utah. But regardless, right. you have made a name for yourself. You qualified for the ten last year, you did pretty good. Uh you just recently recently won the pro series at Colorado. I think it's Chadfield Lake in Colorado. Yes. Um yes, and Chadfield. You won, uh, Chadfield, right? And then you won a won a couple of uh, uh local tournaments out there. So Tell us, uh, came in, what was it, you know, how have you been able to find it? How have you been able to find success in and out of not just Colorado, Utah, but also in, you know, Southern States where you fished?
1: Um, I mean, it's really just getting out and getting the new experiences and just learning from it. I mean, just taking everything in and growing from it essentially. I mean, started kayak fishing here just locally, um, Got really into it when I was, like, 13, 14. Finally got, like, my first bass set up from my uncle and everything. I started fishing my first tournaments up in Idaho with him off his bass boat and then picked up a kayak when I was, like, 17. Joined KFU and just rolled with it from there. And I mean, just basically adapting on the road is just kind of how I've been able to have my success and learning from everything I do to hopefully get better and better.
2: What has it, what's been the key for you to fish, like, are you fishing in Utah and Colorado, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's pretty much, there's no grass lakes over there, right? Like, it's pretty much just Not grass. really.
1: Basically, How? yeah. There's a little bit of grass, Um but, I mean, Colorado and Utah, they fish very similar, just because they're so, both kind of just mountain lakes, Um but, yeah, we were kind of mainly focused on rock points, you know, big drop-offs or something like that, but... So when lakes you want
2: that... – sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say there's a couple lakes that have grass that are just full of grass, but that's the only thing close that we have, like, some of the lakes down south.
2: So when you go into a, you know, like I said, um, for example, the KBF 10, which in Florida, mm-hmm. completely the opposite, only grass, no rocks pretty much. Right. <laughs> how do you uh, – I mean, how does it that you make that transition? Do you even, like – do you even prepare for it? Do you just wing it? What what's your, you know, what's your preparation when you're going to a lake that has no rocks and it's just grass?
1: So the the first time I ever kind of really experienced that much of a change was when I went down to the national championship in 2019 in Louisiana, Shreveport. We were on cattle and just full of cypress trees and grass. No. I had to start looking at it like, the, just like I do at home, where a grass, like a rock point here i gotta look at the trees and the grass just like that i just kind of try and find the similarities and things and then just it seems to work out for me but
2: and has it been do you have you feel comfortable fishing in those um you know different lakes that you're not used to and what success have you found what have you learned now that you've had the opportunity to fish on those lakes
1: oh yeah i mean i love exploring new places now more than ever um I mean, it's it's just opened up a whole new category of blurs and techniques and stuff that you can use, and you come back and home to Utah or around here, anyways, and try and use it, and it's kind of fun, anyways. But
2: do you you qualified last year for for the ten, which is not not something easy to accomplish, especially when you're mm-hmm. fishing out of Utah. Well, how, how was how were you able to uh, qualify for the ten, and how did it feel, you know, just that accomplishment
1: in itself i mean overall it was just awesome i mean it was it's been a kind of like a dream of mine since i started kayak fishing four years ago to get to the 10 um we qualified out in clear lake california um last year when they hosted the the three weekend tournament over friday saturday and sunday at clear lake and we just took a second a fifth and an eighth and then at the went down to Shreveport last year for the national championship and did pretty good there, so it got me in. But I mean, what, overall, uh, it was ahead. just
2: awesome. <laughs> how did you feel when you found out you were you qualified for the ten? Uh, I was ecstatic.
1: I'm, I guess I'm kind of more of like just a chill, mellow guy, so I probably wasn't hooting and hollering. But I mean, inside, I was I was ecstatic.
2: And how did it feel being <laughs> you know staying at the same house? Because y'all staying at the same house, correct? How did it yeah. feel staying at the same house with some, some of the best anglers really out there in the nation?
1: I mean, it was just kind of a reality of how far I've come in the sport and grown in my skills anyways. I mean, but it was awesome to meet those guys and kind of get to know them and, you know, essentially to call them friends or just be able to walk up and talk to them now at the next tournament I see him at or something like that.
2: Did you learn anything, anything talking to them that kind of blowed your mind as like, oh, man, I didn't know that's like, like opening a new door or something like that? Anything in particular or was it pretty much the same knowledge that you already had?
1: Um, I mean, there's, you kind of see like everybody's like style of fishing and you kind of pick up different skills from that. I mean, I don't really remember anything particular that was like mind blowing, but I mean, it was like, oh, it's like, that's a different way to look at that. You know, just how they fish a certain technique or something like that. But
2: did you ever at any point, and I'm assuming especially when we're talking about crankbaits and triple hook baits, but any of the baits that you used over there in Colorado and Utah mm-hmm. that were you like using in in down in, in Florida and Cattle Lake, or were you completely like brand new lures that you hardly used? Just Yeah. Just grass and stuff like that?
1: um It's not that much different. I mean of course you gotta throw more weedless baits, something like that. I mean one of them when I was on Lake Cyprus for the tan down in Florida we were throwing jerk baits and there was a lipless crank bite, but I never got that. I just threw a jerk bait and then the tournament last weekend I won on a jerk bait so I mean back here I was using the mega bass vision 110 plus and out there I was just using the regular vision 110 but just because it's shallower over the grass and over here we're trying to get deeper down next to those rocks
2: is there like a big investment as far as money goes when you're like okay crap i have to buy now this whole set of lures that i wouldn't really buy if i'm in utah
1: (laughs) there there kind of is i mean just because you gotta adapt a little bit but i mean for the most part you can make a couple tweaks get the right hooks or whatever it is to make something weedless to go through grass or or something like that there's not a I wouldn't say a big investment, but I mean, you could spend a lot of money on it if you wanted to totally change everything.
2: Oh yeah. It's it's a deep rabbit hole. Um, oh yeah. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you can tumble down it real quick. So let's talk a little bit about um, your recent winner, the pro series uh, uh, mm-hmm. here in, in Colorado. And I get Chatfield Lake is the name of the lake, correct? Am I saying that right? Yes. Yep. I, I got one, right? Thanks. Small <laughs> victory for me. Um, how did how did it uh fish for you? What were you able to find and how were you able to, you know, get that win?
1: Yeah, so I had basically two days of practice. I left Thursday, no, Wednesday night and drove all the way through there, didn't sleep. I was just basically pumped to get out on the water and fished all day with no sleep. And then basically the next Friday as well. So that Thursday, Friday, I could only get a bit like basically dead sticking in Ed Rick. I didn't really have anything else. I knew where some fish were on some gravel pits and a couple, you know, another spot or so. Had some ideas on some other high percentage areas, but hadn't fished them yet. And tournament morning, I was throwing the Ned rig for about a half hour. Didn't get bit. And I just started playing around with other lures to crankbait and jerkbait, dragging a Texas rig craw and stuff like that. And, um, got bit on a crankbait, about a six foot diver, flat sided and that was my first key to oh there might hit a reaction switched over a couple minutes later to the a jerk bait and then picked off an 18 inch or a 16 and a half within about that 30 minute time span from catching the first fish and just basically stuck with that jerk bait the rest of the day and kept on getting bites but I mean it was I didn't know what to expect going into it because I had kind of a sucky practice and only caught like five fish but just sticking in a head rake and and changed it up until he went to a jerk bait.
2: Those uh, you mentioned um, the uh, flat-sided crankbaits. I know there's a name for it, and I just completely forgot what the mm-hmm. name is. Um, uh, anyways, um, they seem to be key in in th- from what I've heard in that area, like cold water. You know, it yes. for whatever reason. I don't know why. Do you, do you find that that's true? That they're more effective than you know the regular crankbaits.
1: Yeah, I mean, out here I seem to be leaning more towards now, especially in the spring and later in the fall, the tighter wobble cranks, like the flat side. Yeah. And this one was an OG Slim uh, Rapala crank. It's the only fish I caught on a crankbait the whole trip. But, I mean, definitely around in the Utah, Colorado area, I would say they, they do definitely work really good in the colder weather.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the um... – what i've heard on it i've i've got a couple of them never been able to find, get a bite on them but it's really interesting i've and i've heard a lot about that you know that cold water states they really those flat-sided crankbaits really shine let me ask you this and and i know maybe you don't want to give too much secret so i'll leave it up to you how mm-hmm. um you know specific you want to go into it or not but i'll just ask the question you're going to chadfield lake have you fished that lake before you went there now
1: no that was my so, first really time
2: there So when it's all, was it, I'm assuming all rock lake, right? Rocks everywhere and all that.
1: It's mainly rock, a lot of like sandy, muddy bottoms. And then it's a little bit of grass growing off the bottom, just about everywhere that didn't have a solid, like a really good rocky spot on it.
2: And how were we able to break it down? When everything looks familiar and it's rock everywhere. And I say that because here, like fishing in, in the South, you know, you, go to a grass lake you figure well let me see where i can you know one patch of grass is going to stand out more than the other one and for you when you apply that to like a rocky lake what is it that you look for that's going to stand out and makes you think okay this spot should have more bass
1: Mm -hmm. so it's access to deeper water is kind of the key because they're coming up from their winter haunts their transition areas. Um, steeper steeper banks, basically, where they can go from... At Chatfield, it was anytime from 20 to 30 feet and then just push up really quickly into all the way up into 5 feet. And we were catching them in that anywhere from, like... I was about 6 to 8 on average, but I caught them all the way down to about 10, 12. And they, they, they have gravel pits on the south side of this lake that... I mean, it'll drop down in a 30 foot in some spots on them, and then it'll just a bunch of random humps and places all over that they can just quickly push up and get up to feed and whatnot. And that was kind of similar throughout the whole lake. They'd, they'd get out off the end of points or off the edge of the dam and then just push up and into those rocks in the shallow water to feed real quick before they drop back down and just chill so- till they are ready to go up and spawn.
2: When, how much do you rely on like side imaging electronics to pinpoint those spots?
1: I use it quite a bit. Um, I mean, I always have my screen split. It seems like on down imaging and side imaging. just So I get a detailed picture of whatever I'm looking at. And side imaging did help just because I could see right where the break was on the gravel pits. And just anywhere I was fishing on the lake, really, to see where that rock kind of tapered off. And I'd fish right on that edge. They'd just kind of, they'd be cruising that edge of the deeper water and just sitting there looking for any easy meal they could pick off.
2: What? and Let me ask you this: What type of um sonar, do you fish finder, that finder, you use?
1: I use a Laurents Elite FS. Come on.
2: And what's your setup? I don't like have live or setup. the
1: Active Target yet, but yeah, yeah. Well, just you haven't. won a lot
2: of tournaments, so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> S- saving a little f- for that budget for uh a live scope or live image
1: yeah yeah i mean eventually we'll get it ho- hopefully here soon anyways but <laughs> just keep saving money keep kind of just building on it fishing paying for itself for um just on the road travel expenses and whatnot but we'll get a live scope or active target eventually anyways
2: I feel like, and and speaking out of ignorance here because I've never fished in Colorado and Utah, but in in my mind, I would think that that would be a priceless tool versus fishing on a grass lake like I'm used to over here. Because you know, there's only so much you can see on grass with live scope. I'm not saying that right. you can't find them, but it obviously it's a lot different when you have you know the picture that's painted. It's just rock, and you can clearly see. The bass coming out and especially when we're talking about, you know, lakes that are, you'll find bass in deeper water than you usually would find in grassy lakes. Do you think that's true? Do you really think like that would really up your game in that aspect? Do you consider it a game changer, But considering where you where you fit?
1: Yes. Yeah. Out here, the deeper water lakes, anywhere that's, you know, grass lakes is not as necessary just because you really can't see much past the grass but (laughs) um yeah out here i mean hearing like cody henley and other people that have active target the live imaging anyways that um they were watching fish come up and eat their jerk bait and stuff like that just it, it would really help to you know understand what they're exactly doing make those fine tune adjustments to maybe catch more fish or bigger fish or something like that
2: do you feel like, um, well, obviously you found success with mm-hmm. what you're doing without the scope, and a lot of success at that. How many people out there, when you go on the water, on average, uh, let's say, you know, by percentage, how, how many, mm-hmm. what's the percentage of anglers out there using scope in that, in your, where you live? I don't know, um,
1: it's not that many, to be honest with you. I mean, there's maybe five, 10% of the field has scope. I mean, a lot of people out here are just they're just your average fishermen and they, they get a good setup or whatnot, but a lot of people are starting to get it slowly trickling in and realizing that it's a it's a major help.
2: What is the um this bass fishing scene as mm-hmm. far as since you started this kayak bass fishing in the mountain area and now we're you know, as the years gone along where you see it has progressed the popularity of it. Cause I know, like I said, it's, it's not your traditional like big bass factory, but more right. and more we keep seeing anglers specifically, specifically from Utah, just coming down and making the name for themselves out here in, you know, Texas, Florida, Alabama, you know, in Tennessee and all those great bass factory States. How do you see the popularity growing and What's your thoughts on
1: it? Yeah, I mean, Kayak Fishing Utah, the club I hear, has grown over the past four years a lot. I mean, they just had a tournament down southern Utah in San Hollow, and there was like there was like 80 kayaks or 77 kayaks, really? I think, signed up for the tournament. Yeah, I was like, whoa. That that was the biggest Kayak Fishing Utah tournament yet. I and mean, it started out, and there was like 13 of us, maybe 15, 18 of us that would sign up, but – it's it's grown a lot. There's a lot of people out here that are seeing the the bigger picture once you get on the more national level tournaments and just has they all have the drive to get out and compete.
2: I I, I think one of the things that I really give um, I have to give a shout out here to KBF is their commitment to helping the sports grow where it's traditionally not you know the um, the most productive as far as the growth of uh, of kayak bass fishing we understand mm-hmm. there's business side to it we see Bassmaster kind of like they're trying to just stay where they're you know they're more popular hobie pos has tried to expand and then see that doesn't work kind of contracts it says okay we're gonna yep. stick you know and we and i get it there, there's a business side to it if there's not that many anglers uh then what's the point of bringing the national level tournament kbf right to yeah their credit regardless how it might feel about, you know, how it's run, I give them credit because they're like, you know what, we're still going to invest on this and see if we can grow the sport, which I think it's great because at the end of the day, we want this to be at the national level. You know, we joke right. around that, you know, guys from California not supporting it and uh, maybe they should, and maybe there's something that the national level tournaments can do to kind of like bring – um, the West Coast anglers into the picture. I mean, your thoughts on, on that, you know, I'm assuming you're ecstatic, you know, seeing mm-hmm. KBF um, kind of like invest in Utah and Colorado. What would you like to see from the, all the major trails like, you know, um, Hobie, Bassmaster, even the All-American kayak series that's kind of starting growing. It's more centered around Missouri in that Midwest area. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's awesome to see KBF bring everything back to the West because they kind of had a trail series out here, mainly in California, um, for a year or two, I think 2018, 2019, kind of into 2020, I think. But then COVID hit and kind of shut everything down and they pulled it all back to the East. Um, Yeah, I mean, to see it come – swing full swing back to the west like it has with kbf i mean it's awesome it's getting a lot more people interested in it and it's just going to grow from here i mean especially where you get a few of us that are traveling around promoting sport and everything and it's really going to help the west grow and i mean you know if we can get you know say hobie get a a tournament out here again because they did one on the california delta i think two years ago now i mean in it was. It wasn't that big of a tournament. I think there was like forty of us that signed up. Um, it was in the middle of a couple other tournaments too, like back to back weekends. And a lot of those California guys, they they don't travel that much, just because I mean the prices are sky high, and I'm assuming. And I mean, from one state into the state to the other, it's you know as far as the drive for me to get to California, it's you know eight nine hours plus sometimes, but for them, but so it. Seeing more tournaments out here, it's nice because I mean, for myself, I don't have to drive eighteen, twenty hours to get to a tournament or a national level tournament, anyways.
2: And um, you also won in in Arizona. I was looking at kind of like your bio, and I've seen like, oh man, mm-hmm. this, this guy's winning in actually Arizona, um, not just Utah, not just Colorado, but also you know further down south, which kind of similar symbol- shapes up a little bit similar to more closer to what Utah. Has to offer than you know something like again like Alabama has to offer, but still uh, some great fisheries out there. You for you, how hard is it to kind of like travel from you know going from Utah, Colorado, Arizona, um, Florida? How you know what's that like for you as far as you know kind of like your financial burden not not to you know get personal on your financial yeah. status, but you know. How do you prepare for all this road trips and, and how do you try to consolidate, you know, and justify right. all I the expenses?
1: Fortunately, I mean, I don't have a lot of debts. I mean, just basically paying off my truck and we're renting this house here and everything. So I don't have a, a ton of debt. So that helps out a lot to not have to be sitting down trying to make money to in my job. Anyways, I can take off a little extra time here and there. But um, I mean, yeah, it's just. Basically, I come home, I work at Home Depot and just kinda do that. Try not to travel as much in between and then just go for it for the tournament. I mean that that's kinda how it's working for me at the moment. And then just by winning a tournament like this or something, then I always just seem to use that to pay for itself. And it's been working out so far.
2: But yeah, it seems like going her, through your box, seems like you've cashed uh even if you haven't gotten first place on all of them, you seem to be at least being in the money in most, if not all the tournaments that, that you've um, actually entered, both locally and on the KBF trail. So congratulations to you, man, on, on what you're doing. And, and again, I mad respect. Uh, again, I, I really, when we look at, uh, uh, at the sport at a national level, I think it's so important to just bring everybody in and give recognitions to those that you know don't have it as easy as we have it as far as you know finding bass going to big bass factories traveling you know most of the tournaments that i travel is six hours away i don't have to go up mile up on mountain like you guys have to do um don't have to worry that much about gas expenses which are skyrocketing now um so for you and a lot of those cody hangley um Catherine Fields, Erin um, Mathis, and I, I mean the list goes on and on. And it's such amazing to see uh, guys and girls from Utah and the mountain area just come up and you know make a name for themselves um, out here in 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 some of the southern states and West Coast like California. That's that's pretty big, man. And it's it's something that I think we we gotta respect and kind of give you that little bit of – share that little bit of a limelight because it is, it is a commitment for you all, and it is, you know, a, a completely geographically different um, leg setup that, you know, you have to kind of like learn just to keep up with, with what everybody else pretty much grew up doing.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, it's just – it's a lot more planning and just kind of got to work towards everything and just make it happen.
2: What is, what would you like uh, for yourself as far as your personal goals to achieve in kayak fishing?
1: I mean, qualifying for the 10 was one of them. Um, overall, I mean, I'd like to win the national championship at some point, but we'll see how that goes anyways. Um, I mean, this year it's just qual- get back in the 10 house, qualify for the 10 again. Um Hoping I can win one of the Hobie BOS trails, um, I was I had a goal to catch an eight plou- pound plus largemouth, which I believe I did down in Florida. It was, it was a, that twenty four inch I caught on the day two of um, the trail down there. I was I was guessing it was around eight and a half nine pounds, so I think I made that goal, and then basically just to catch another, catch a five plus pound smallie because my my personal best smallmouth is like four and a half, <laughs> so. I mean, other than that, just, just do good in tournaments and just enjoy it and have fun with everything.
2: That brings me to another question that I wanted to ask. When we talk about um, mountain states, what is it that you target most? Is it a smallmouth, spotted, or largemouth bass, or any other uh, type of bass you might have?
1: Utah doesn't have any spots. Um, we are mainly smallies and largemouth. A lot of the... So better bass lakes have largemouth in them, but there's there's a few that have really good smallmouth in them as well. Um, it's the smallies seem to you get it like a really good population, but they don't. They take longer to grow usually, so they you get a lot of that smaller size, anywhere from you know ten to fourteen, fifteen inches. It's kind of our average, and then you know if you can find that sixteen plus average, you know you're usually probably doing pretty good in a tournament. But largemouth fishing. You get a little bit better average. You can usually catch a lot of fifteen, sixteen inchers. Um, once you kind of figure out what they're doing. But getting a fish over twenty inches in Utah is is kind of a feat. That's kind of a that's the goal you get where, you know, in Texas you might be looking to catch a, a twenty-two plus or something like that.
2: I get disappointed every time I catch it, like it. Not disappointed. I shouldn't say that, but every time I was like, Oh, it's a twenty incher.
1: <laughs> right <laughs>
2: an average mass <laughs> for you it's like oh my god
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> that that's pretty awesome what um what has been your favorite lake up in that area
1: um closest to me I like to fish uh for Smalleys pine view reservoir and then I would say Hiram reservoir is my two favorites um and then a- a close second would be Manaway. Those are all within two hours of me. And then my overall favorite lake is probably Sand Hollow down southern Utah, but that's about five hours from me.
2: What's, what's on your bucket list as far as lakes? Lakes that you want to fish that you haven't had the chance to fish for?
1: I want to go fish one of the Great Lakes. I mean, I haven't really picked one out, but whether it's Michigan or Erie, St. Clair, that's kind of, I want to go fish for smallies up there.
2: Nice. Yeah that, oh, yeah, that is the um smally paradise in that area from what I heard. Never fished it, but definitely yeah. <laughs> I would see why it would be on the bucket list. That very interesting area. Um, you know, the Great Lakes is just a monster in itself. Literally and figuratively. Tough yeah. completely
0: different. <laughs> it's literally sure. an
2: ocean. Um what has been you mentioned, what's your personal best for both bass and I think you already mentioned it, but you know, mm-hmm. kind of yep. recap, it's kind of like, oh, as far as size goes, um, what's been your personal best smallmouth and, and largemouth?
1: Yeah, my personal best largemouth down in Florida, that 24-incher, um, just this last spring and end of January, start of February. And and then my personal best smallmouth is at Idaho. Uh, it's nineteen and a half inches I didn't have a scale on me either, so but it was she was all spawned out, so I'm guessing she was just barely over four, four and a half, somewhere right there. But that's my longest smallmouth.
2: You know, it's interesting when you talk about weight and scale. Sometimes I regret not having a weight scale. And I'll go back to one of my biggest bass that I've ever caught, and I I was just starting bass fishing. I didn't have I was bank fishing. I didn't have a scale. I didn't have a catch board or any type of board. Looking at the pictures, knowing now what I know about bass, and this was, I'm talking about four or five years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that bass was, you know, and a look at the pictures and I've asked other people and this says, yeah, that's a good 24 incher, if not more. And the thing about it, that thing probably didn't weigh more than three pounds because she was spawned out. It was shortly, it was just the early, late spring, early summer. Um, And I was like, this is probably the biggest bass that I'll ever have ever caught in my <laughs> life, and it still wouldn't be, it wouldn't even be four pounds, and that's right. what it's like, yeah. I'm like I'm not, I don't even care about weight scales. I'm just gonna go with measurements. Sometimes oh. I do catch a twenty. I've caught 21, twenty-one, twenty-two inches. Where I'm thinking, God, this is a heavy bass. I wonder how close it's to a double digit. I don't, I don't think I've ever caught a double digit just because I don't weigh it. But it's been one of those things where now it's just like, I don't even care. Well, I do care. But it's more like, how long is it more than? Right. I value more the length than the weight, I guess. And I know that kind of throws off people and it goes against the grain. But that's just the way I see it. Just because you catch a big bass it's a big bass regardless. But if you go by weight scale, well, it depends if you caught it, pre-spawning, spawning, or post-spawning. So it's like, well, yeah, it's exactly. the same bass, <laughs> but it has more value depending on what, if, if you go by weight, it has more value depending on when you caught it. Whereas if you oh, go by sure. length, it has the value that it has. A 24-inch bass is a 24-inch bass. Whereas
0: yeah, exactly.
2: If, whereas it's weight scale, well, if you caught it, this type of season it may be more valuable it may be less valuable that's the way i like to see it but
1: yeah exactly
2: (laughs) i'm sure people agree or disagree on that one um maybe that's just the kayak fishing in me what is um what's next for you right now you've you've conquered Mm -hmm. arizona you conquered utah you made it all the way to cattle you made it all the way to florida um, you talked about your your goals. Uh, you mentioned you wanted to qualify or at least take part in a Hobie BOS. Have you taken part in any Hobie BOS this year, or do you have one in your calendar? Yeah.
1: Um, we, made, we went down to the the tan, went down to Florida, came back through Texas, um, fished the Bassmaster at Lake Fork, didn't do good at all. I mean, I didn't even catch a fish on that tournament, but we didn't even priest fish for it, and the lake had ice on it.
2: Nobody did good. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Then we went back down to Toledo Bend for that BOS tournament and I took 17th there. I mean, did all right. We caught a bunch of fish. I mean, it had like 86 inches or something the first day. And then had I think high seventies the second day. And I mean, it was enough to cut a check and did all right there. But, um, the next tournament I'm going to is next weekend, the uh, Broken Bowl down in Oklahoma for the Hobie BOS.
2: Oh, hope, hopefully I get to see you there. I actually did fish the um, um, the Toledo Bend, and it's crazy how similar and different Toledo Bend and Lake Fork were. And this is where I'm going with this. Both mm-hmm. were really cold weather, especially the second day at, at, oh, yeah. at Toledo Bend <laughs> it was cold. I'm sure, like, in both lakes, you felt like you in Utah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it was cold. Uh, that uh, Lake Fork was super cold. I mean, I, I think I saw um, Jordan Marshall, I think it was, posted a video of him just literally breaking through ice in Lake Fork. Yeah. Right? And then we have, in that same was similar. The results were completely upside down from what Toledo Bend was like. On Lake Four, like three people only on those two days caught a limit. Garrett Morgan, I forgot the other two names. Uh Garrett Morgan ended up winning it. Like it was mm-hmm. like literally you could have skunk on Saturday and still, if you put a five fish limit on Sunday, you could have still catch a check and actually qualify yeah, for the sure. national championship. That's how crazy it was. Whereas Solito Ben, you didn't see the Garrett Morgan numbers you saw in 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 fork, however, if you didn't make five bass limit, a decent like a decent five bass limit, you're not gonna even get a check on day two, because uh, if I remember correctly, the first, the top hundred and one out of two hundred actually caught a limit. <laughs> like yeah, that's there's a
1: lot different. of fish. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And we're talking about two lakes that are two hours away from each other, one week apart, both on cold weathers, and you could have not seen a more drastic change in results from it. Um, how did – I mean, when you compare how, what happened in Lake Fork and what happened in Toledo Bend as it relates to you, what stood out the most?
1: Um that the weather continued to follow us (laughs) Um, (laughs) right (laughs) right um i mean they seem to be a little bit farther along in the spawn or more pre-spawn pushing up shallower um at toledo bend than they were at fork it just seemed like that little bit of geographical difference um made the difference for whatever reason and they were just a little bit more active at toledo bend but
2: have you fished? Uh, go ahead.
1: I don't. I don't know much about that. Those lakes at all. I mean, that was my both my first time fishing those, so I don't really have a history to go off of on on there. And
2: and I kind of feel bad for you in this aspect. Not that I should feel bad for all your success, but um, mm-hmm. when like fork can be, you know, I think that's just more popularity than anything. But I know Bassmaster ranked. Lake Fork is the number one number one bass right. lake in 2021. um I think there's other lakes that produce more, but anyways, Lake Fork is legendary, and it's actually my favorite uh bass fishing lake. So I kind of feel bad that you didn't get to see <laughs> the how Lake Fork can really show out because it really can right. show out. It's and and you may not see like a two day with two hundred and something, although Garrett Morgan did I think he got two hundred and six. I can't remember. But yeah, it is so one cool. of those yeah, it is one of those lakes that even like a average bag as far as kayak fishing goes measurement is it's easily ninety pounds. And that's like when you go to Lake he says I got ninety inches, you may not even catch a check probably. Right. You're probably yeah. not gonna even catch a check. Um it's a very consistent lake and very uh Great Lake, so kind of feel bad. You need need to come down to Texas right. and fish it again <laughs> when it's I want you know, to prime.
1: Yeah. It'd be fun.
2: Now you did mention you you did um you dig to Little Bend decent seventeenth. I mean that's more than decent considering how half more than half the field got a limit. Um, so to get 17th, that that's big. Um, especially again considering that you come from Utah and to Little Bend is nothing like Utah no, or no, even no. A, you know mountain a mountain lake area. And then you got broken bowl. Are you have another tournament at Hobie BOS? Are, are you looking to get to the TOC just by qualify like trying to get, you know, top three on Broken Bowl, or do you have another one? Hopefully you can get in by um you know by being in the top fifty?
1: Yeah. Um if I hope that I can qualify top three, <laughs> that'd be awesome. But um plan on fishing I can't remember Dardanelle in I think yeah. September. As the the third one, if I need to qualify through AOI and just hopefully place good in A O Y in general.
2: That's crazy! <laughs> it's so funny yeah. because that's the exact same plan I had. Is like oh, nice. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go to Tol- just because I don't with gas price and everything. I really don't like to drive more than six, seven hours. I think seven hours is the most. So I figured, okay, I'll I'll try, a, I'll try Toledo Bend, four hour drive for me. Hopefully, I'll do good and kind of stay within, you know, in the top. 50. Um, I know it you know it's also considering who won the top three, so it's not literally the top 15 angle of the year points, but for the sake of the conversation, keeping it as simple, and then right. um broken bow, and then the same thing, um Darnell. And going by how I did into Little Ben, i need to stop, <laughs> I need to get into top three in Broken Bow or Darnell. There's no other way. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but that's what I'm hoping for. But Definitely wish you the best on that, man. Uh, like I said, co- you know, going from, you know, going traveling and making the commitment, I, I really hope it really works out for you. And i love to see you get on the TLC on that one. Um, I think it's, you know, it's it's a lot of more sacrifice on your end than it is for most of us down here. So definitely like to see that sacrifice pay off, Ben.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I hope you do good as well, maybe we'll both be in the TOC. <laughs> yeah,
2: definitely. Hope to see you over there in uh, uh, in Broken Bow. Um, have you done research on Broken Bow already? You don't have to tell me what you've done, but have you? Oh, I you, mean, I've done Earth very thing? brief.
1: I've done very brief research. Um, I mean, just picking up YouTube videos and map studies here and there, and I mean, I kind of have an idea of how it's gonna fish. I'm on the Oklahoma KFL team. And gonna fish with them this year, and um, we all met up back in December. I flew down and borrowed a kayak from one of them, and had a little our own competition in, within the team on Ten Killer Lake. And it's it sets up very similar to Broken Bow. It's yeah. kind of just that Ozark style lake, and so hopefully we can use that just to have an idea of how it's gonna fish. But
2: it'll be yeah, interesting of- for sure yeah it's one of those lakes that's not necessarily i don't i, I never fish broken boat but going by the research i've kind of done videos youtube google earth it seems like it's more shaped up like you know a rocky reservoir where it's just standing timber yeah. and rock not gonna find grass which is not good for me but we'll you know that's the grind of it you know can't complain about that no right. excuses <laughs> uh came in um i want to give you a couple of minutes to oh well, actually before we get into that um I always like to do kind of like a rapid session question. You ready for it? Sure. Yeah. All right. So, if you couldn't fish for bass, what would, what would be the other species that you would target?
1: I would, I'd probably be in Alaska, fishing for silvers and king salmon.
2: Nice. nice. Um, what is your favorite bait?
1: Oh, uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, I always love a crankbait bite just or probably a chatterbait. Those are my two kind of go tos.
2: Crankbait or jerkbait. Yeah, I would see yeah. how that would work over there. Um, what's your favorite rod and reel setup?
1: Um, I mean, I'm kinda of currently fall in love with a lot of the six skill. Um, now that I'm on their pro staff anyways. I mean, I really like their they're hammer reels, and I mean, all the rods are great. Um, they're, oh, what's the series? They're, if I'm throwing a Texas rig or a jig, they're, I think it's Farron or Fen- Fenner or something like that. I can't know. I can't pronounce it. They're, they're like, I believe the names are based around like Viking culture or something like that, anyways. But um, those are my fav- favorite, like flipping setups their chopper rod is my favorite chatterbait spinnerbait rod and their it's hemdoll I believe is their um, is a great jerkbait kind of lipless crankbait rod and whatnot but
2: that kind of leads me to my second question and I know this is kind of compromising because you already mentioned you um, uh, sponsored a pro staff with six skill but if uh-huh. other than six skill if you can only be sponsored by one company again other than six skill. What company would it be?
1: Um, I mean, before Gill I threw a lot of Daiwa. Um, I hadn't really sat down on a rod company other than Gill, but, I mean, other than that, I would say if I had a second choice, I would go with probably Daiwa Products.
2: Yeah, they make some nice uh, reels, definitely. haven't tried the rods, but uh, yeah. the reels are pretty awesome. I like how they. It's a lot easier to thread the the line through, <laughs> through the spool, just because it has that right. wide whatever it is that it's called um, uh, thing that uh, to thread the line to, or so line management, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some pretty cool reels. Um, actually, my favorite one is the Silo. I got it like a nice deal they had at the Bassmaster. Uh, for fun and sun tackle booth at the Bassmaster when it was um last year here in, in Texas, but yeah, man, there's a mm-hmm. Reel. I mean, that's that reel is awesome. Um, what's your right. favorite reel? Um, my favorite,
1: I don't know, that's hard to say. I mean, I throw a lot of the the Wrath with Six Gill, um, and the, the Hammer series. They are both both great reels. I've had to fine-tune the wrath. They're a lot more, but you're able to do that with them. They have the the higher the complex magnetic system and what well, with the pins and everything you can adjust. Um, but they're they're great reels, or just the with the tool is is what I'd previously been throwing before I got on with six gill
2: If you had a chance to win one national championship, KBF, which in my the big attraction to that was obviously the payout. Mm -hmm. Um, Bassmaster, which to me, their big attraction is the, um, how do you call this? The, um, the advertisement or the social media game, you know, because they have so many companies that sponsor them. So that gives you a broader, you know, um, um, reach. And if you're looking for sponsors and then there's the Hobie BOS, which I think in my opinion, it's kind of like the... The most prestigious one, considering that's the hardest to qualify for, and you are really, really, literally going up uh, 50 of the best anglers in the world. If you can only win one of those three, which one would you rather win?
1: Sorry, kind of cut out between. You said between the BOS, the TOC, and
2: well, the KBF. Oh, the BOS, the T, the between the TOC for Hobie, the KBF national championship. And the, um, and the Bassmaster Kayak National Championship, which one would you rather fish or win?
1: Um, I would say probably the TOC just because, I mean, it's a lot harder to qualify for. and I mean, not to take anything away from KBF or bass, but I would probably do the TOC.
2: Yeah, I think i gravitate to that answer as well just because I yeah. think it's a little bit more of the prestigious one. I, I've talked to somebody. I can't remember. I think it was Charlie Wells. It's like winning the TO, comparing the TOC to the, let's say the, uh, uh, to the national championship for the KBF or the uh, for the Bassmaster Classic series. It's like comparing for those that play golf, comparing the bass, comparing the Masters, winning the Masters in golf to winning the um, uh, the Players Championship. You know, the Players Championship is the one that a golf course would say that the one that established me as the best golfer, which the master kind of established you as more of a popularity thing. I don't play golf, but right. that's, yeah, <laughs> that's one analogy that I heard that kind of makes sense, but yeah, no, definitely there's no wrong answer on that one, but I can definitely gravitate to what you're saying on that one. Yeah, um, for sure. We talked about what's your, on your bucket list and everything. Um, Any, I want to give you a shot, a few minutes to shout out any of your sponsors. Thank anybody that you want to thank. Um, Mm -hmm. I know, like I mentioned, there's a lot more sacrifice involved for you um, being in Utah. So you know, give you take as much time as you need to thank whoever you want to thank.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, first sponsors. I'm sponsored by Enduro Power. Um, They basically power my whole kayak and everything, and Amazing batteries. haven't had one issue with them. Their 50 amp hour. Runs my Newport vessel, the one, NK 180S. I mean, for probably 18, 19 miles before it'll die, which is plenty for me in a tournament. Um, Six-kill fishing. They make some awesome rods and reels. and They do have a few uh, lures and hooks and whatnot and apparel and whatnot that you can get from them. That's, that's pretty cool anyways, but the rods and reels are they're great products. They seem to be a little underrated because they're not as well known. They're kind of a newer company, but they're they're making some leaps of bounds and coming a long ways. They're great products. Um, Henley Custom Lures and BA Custom Baits, two locally owned shops here in Utah. Um, Cody Henley, the guy that won the ten, he's I mean, he's here in Utah as well, and he's the owner of Henley Custom Lures. Makes awesome soft plastics, and then. BA custom baits he makes jigs spinner baits chatter baits and i mean i i really like his jigs that's what i mainly get from him but i mean he'll make it all for you from anywhere from Ned heads underspins jigs spinner baits make some really good products and i guess lastly i'll just thank my family and my wife for the support and all my friends and whatnot that just follow me along and the whole adventure of kayak fishing
2: Oh man! Thank, thank you for you know for the commitment that you do to you know for this sport. I'm sure it, it helps in the growth of uh, that mountain area and, and all across the United States. Just watching what you guys, what you personally have been done um, to to as far as your level of commitment and you know your success that has uh, paid off. Uh, mm-hmm. You do also have your own business for um, for brush painting lures, right? Tell us a little bit about that before we let yeah. you go. And, and also, where can people follow you on social media and, and you know, your products that you
1: – Yeah, you for do? sure. Um, currently, my Instagram is Caymans in's Custom Allures, um, which leads into I paint um, hard baits, anything from big swim baits all the way down to little jerk baits, crank baits, um, anything hard plastic basically I can paint it. Um, haven't done a lot with it in the past – few months but i mean i'll still paint anything you want you can look at anything i do on my instagram page or i do have a facebook page um just cayman's custom Alerts as well um cayman rasmussen is my facebook page i post most of my fishing stuff on there as well as well as all my tournament stuff on my cayman's custom Alerts instagram page i'll be starting to drop here youtube videos um on a YouTube channel as well but I'll, I'll post all the info on my social media pages as to that anyways but haven't really got that all set up yet.
2: Awesome man, that's I'm uh, looking forward to those videos and and again, wish you the best moving forward. I uh, wish you the best in Broken yeah. Born Darnell. Um and sex and the lots of sex man uh, moving forward and I really hope like I'm really forwarding for you to, to make that TOC man and uh, do great on it. you or, you definitely earned it, and you deserve it. So, hopefully, you get to enjoy that that trip down to Cato, and you know, which is already sure. kind of like an area you're already familiar with. So, get yeah, a, a little bit, bit of a, get a little bit of better edge this time around. Uh, fishing on the National <laughs> championship or tournament of champions, uh, Cayman. Thank you so much for joining us, blessing the podcast, uh, and talking uh, to me and to my audience, and uh, you know let's uh let's make sure you we support everybody out there that's um you know taking time and making the commitment and the investment to fish in those tournaments and let's see how big we can get this sport on national level both as a pastime as and uh, as a tournament so for those out there you know that are listening you made it this far really appreciate it if you're going to be on the water again please wear your PFDs. if you're going to have a couple of beers drink responsibly take care of yourselves. <laughs> Take all the necessary precautions to make it back to your loved ones. So have a great day, everyone. Remember, go check out the sponsor, douglasoutdoors.com. Peace out.